0: Hey, welcome back to season four of Pigeon Hockey, a participating member of the Hockey Podcast Network. This is Chris and today's co-host, Sam.
1: How's it going, hockey fans?
0: And you know us, we don't claim to be hockey experts, but simply over ourselves. Hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. So how goes life, Sam?
1: Going all right. Um, just been uh, working and watching some football and um, certainly getting ready for the NFL playoffs a little bit. but. Uh, not much not much going on for me besides that. How about you, Chris?
0: Uh not not much. Eh? we're we're recording this a little bit delayed here. We're recording this on uh Tuesday, January ninth. Um, but delayed in the fact that we were supposed to do this about an hour ago. And uh we ran out of well not ran out of we uh we lost power this morning um due to the storms moving through the the coasts right now. It looks like the entire continent's under some level of a storm right now. um and uh the ones here knocked out the power uh we saw this big green flash this morning and off it went oh uh yeah and it's still cranking so i'm hoping that um it wouldn't be the first episode ever that we lost power because i think it happened in season one where uh there was a storm rolling through utah and it took us out um but uh but yeah so hopefully that doesn't happen on this episode so it's an easy recording session for me uh later today but uh but, yeah, I mean, beyond that, everything's good. I mean, like you mentioned, the NFL playoffs uh, last night for us, at least uh, the national championship game for the college football playoffs happened, and uh, so Michigan took down Washington. I can't say I'm excited about that. Uh, anyone that can wonder why can just listen to the previous episode. But uh, I don't think they should have been in in, this, in the running this year, I think. Once you get caught with a scandal like that, it should eliminate your option for competing that season. But that's me. You know, I uh, congratulations to the players. Congratulations to the fan base. I guess if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So uh, <laughs> I'm just disappointed with the results. I, I like Michigan. I do. It's one of the teams I generally would root for. But once they get involved in a scandal, then it's just like, okay, they don't deserve to be there this season. So, yeah. You know, so... It is what it is. They're the champions, and I'm looking forward to next year's uh, playoff format. Not necessarily super conferences that are developing, but I'm excited for the – is it going to be 12-team playoff format?
1: I believe it is, and uh, the committee will have new ways to screw it up. But
0: uh... <laughs> Yeah, when you're 13 sitting out and you're the one with two losses. Yeah. Um, well, I guess there's going to be like two loss teams. And, again, I get, I, get under, I do understand why they have the committee because you have to use – Some level of, I guess, sports common sense to realize that even though a team might be undefeated, uh, if their schedule's a lot weaker, then they're not as good as a team that lost to two top 10 teams. So uh, I do understand the purpose behind the committee. I still think they did get it wrong this year. Again, I'm going to be one of the people that I think Florida State, you know, despite the results of, what was it, the Orange Bowl? I think that's because basically they didn't have any of their starters at that point. They all decided not to come back. And I don't disagree with them. Uh it's great Georgia was able to return most of their guys because, you know, that would be, you know, the way they wanted to do it. You know, Florida State did everything they needed to do to get into the playoff and they were left out. So I'm not risking my NFL career to playing it what will be a pointless game. Yeah. So and and that's what those bowl games are and I mean we can go on a whole bowl game discussion one time but I mean that would be a discussion for a whole another podcast but I don't know man bowl games it's a nice way for a lot of players that aren't going to go pro to finish their football career. So there's that point. But really beyond that uh I do like the the 12 team playoff format because at least these games make a little bit of difference at that point and some of these bowl games that don't really make much sense and nobody really wants to watch, uh, t- you know, in total by the, just you can see the the fan base inside the the stadiums half the time, you know, there's like a quarter full. If the game doesn't really have any meaning, then I don't really see the point. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, a lot of teams play a long season and they don't make it anywhere. So I understand a level of the purpose behind certain bowl games, but, I think um, when you make it up to the, the schools at the top of the talks that make, you know, the big rankings, I think those 12 teams, uh, that is there. I don't know how it's going to look next year. Again, I don't know. But those 12 teams, once you're eliminated, you're eliminated. That was your – it's like the NFL playoffs. Like you make it there, and if you don't advance, you don't advance. There's no consolation prize. Play hard that game. But if you're one of the teams left out, I think the bowl games could have a little bit more meaning. I just think they could move the season up a couple of weeks, but I could go off on a whole college <laughs> bowl game spiel. But what are your yeah. thoughts?
1: I mean, I think that it's just, I mean, I didn't realize it for some reason until now, but they're basically trying to create the NFL playoffs, like recreate that at the college level. Like they're trying to add, you know, more games to the playoff to make it, you know, kind of more meaningful in some ways. Like, you know, only having four teams make it while that still makes it like very high level competition at the same time. It's like, well, you get two semifinals and then a playoff and then a championship and that's it. So it's kind of like, they're kind of trying to create more rounds and more, more hype and more maybe storylines by adding more games to the playoff. So it'll be interesting to see what it looks like next year. Um, I certainly think that I agree with you that they could really just move it up or, you know, maybe start to eliminate some of these other bowl games, but that's, uh, that's for another time, of course.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think if they just moved it up a couple of weeks before the NFL season really kicks off this way. You can really get, they could literally spread out the games on Saturdays and Sundays in the first couple of weeks because school is just kind of starting or if not really started yet. So these week one, I guess they have week zero, but like, Week zero, week one, week two, week three could all be before the NFL season actually kicks off, and then the, and then the playoffs could happen in December, leading into Christmas.
1: Yeah, uh, and they, they could still bad. have the bowl
0: game on New Year's Day. You know,
1: I just kind of feel like the weather could be an issue for starting it that early in, say, August or whatever. Whether it's humidity in the, you know, the Midwest, the Northeast, and the Southeast, or just the heat in the South. Like, I don't know. It just could be a problem yeah. for starting that early.
0: Yeah, and it might be and it could just be letting letting the players actually settle into the first aspect of it all being actual college. I mean, I think that's a part of the college football game experience a lot of us start to forget once we're no longer anywhere near that level is uh I mean, they're in college. So it's uh it's a little bit different time frame, but I I don't agree with having the playoffs at the same time the NFL playoffs are happening. I don't know how that's going to look next year because we have the playoffs like starting this weekend and the games are on Saturday and Sunday. The one thing I like about the NFL playoffs is you get to watch every game. They're not overlapping. And that's what I want to make sure that the college football playoffs do is that they're not overlapping with NFL games because I don't want to choose. Right. Every one of those games is important. And I want to watch every one of them like the you know, psycho sports fan that I am And so I don't want to have to choose Oh, am I going to watch, you know, round two Of the college football playoffs Or am I going to watch round one of the NFL playoffs I'm like, no, 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 I want to watch it all So, you know, maybe they'll have Monday games and Thursday night games Or whatever they're going to do uh, For that So Have they announced a schedule of what it would look like
1: At all? for which For which one? The college
0: football playoffs
1: yeah, they, they've announced it already. Uh, I don't know if I sent you that link last time or not, but I can you certainly. probably did. <laughs> that is, that is a, okay.
0: Uh, yeah. And then, um, very happy, uh, with the Jaguars loss, I was able to watch the bills game with some enjoyment instead of stress. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I'm really, I am shocked that we made the playoffs when we were six and six, um, I, I thought our season was over for sure, but they came back. And I mean, this is the way you enter the playoffs. So I'd much rather be entering the playoffs like the Bills right now, winning, you know, five in a row than the Eagles, like collapsing in on themselves like a dying star. Oh, that makes you me know, feel. Weren't nice they 10 and one? Yeah, they
1: were. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oof.
1: Oof. That's I... a fun, fun time watching their downfall.
0: It Sorry, has, I actually.
1: Actually, but I don't care. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not sorry to the Eagles fans. They have Super Bowls. I don't care. Once your team's had a Super Bowl in your lifetime, you I don't I don't care anymore. Like I'm one of the suffering fan bases that we don't have a Stanley Cup, we don't have a Super Bowl. Uh we don't have a women's hockey team anymore because with the new PWHL, Buffalo wasn't included in the 6, which, you know, I guess fair enough, but I already went over my disgruntlement with the fact that Buffalo wasn't included. But, you know, they they made their choices and I liked having our women's team um, wasn't necessarily always thrilled with the name. I think uh, that's one of those things that the PWHL with with them holding off on team names, which I did discover that they actually did uh, months ago file. I don't know what they filed, but they filed copyrights or something for team names and then those names got leaked and then people backfired on how bad the team names were. So they're like, okay, we're not just going to go with any names this year. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know um, if we're going to end up with a, probably a whole separate episode about the PWHL next week, maybe speculate what we think names would be. Give us all a, whoever contributes in that episode can kind of make their pitch for what they think uh, team names should be for the new PWHL. Because otherwise, this episode would be too long, and we're really here to talk about the uh, NCDC, the standouts of the month for December. Uh, we had to hold off on this episode all the way to the end because there was, in fact, games all the way till New Year's uh, New Year's Eve. So you can't make the full call on how everyone played that month if uh, you don't get the full docket of games already listed there. Yeah. So, but uh, a really exciting month of hockey, uh, Sam. It's been, uh, you know, again, a lot of standout players. Again, for anybody listening to one of these episodes for the first time, this is not a stats-based only awards thing. Stats is a, I guess, part of the trifecta. It's like actual watching the games and seeing which players stand out. Stats is included, as well as other factors, uh, like players getting starts and penalty minutes. Uh, All those factors are included to ultimately determine, because you could be a a great goal scorer, but if you're just racking up the penalty minutes and always putting your team in a bad situation – that's gonna affect whether or not you make the top uh the top five list too. So not always there are players that end up with a good chunk of penalty minutes, but there's all I'm gonna say there's a lot of factors that are included. So anybody wants to reach out to like I had like 15 more points than this guy, but he made it. Well yeah he you know from what we saw and from all other factors, this this player stood out more this month. So uh because it isn't just points it is a lot of factors. Like Solid back check, um, not putting your team down, but, you know, making smart hockey plays. Uh, there's a lot of factors that are included in our, in our rankings. So, Sam, I think it's a, might be time to get into it.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a plan. Uh, we're going to start at the blue line. Who are the NCDC Mountain Division Defenders of the Month for December?
0: Uh, well, we're going to start with uh, the Utah Outliers, the 0-4 Kieran Ronan. He's the American-Canadian out of New Hartford, New York. In 10 games played, he had a goal and two assists. At number four, from the Provo Predators, the 0-4 from Hermantown, Minnesota, Jackson Lucia. In nine games played, had four helpers. At number three, from the Pueblo Bulls. the 0-4 out of Wheaton, Illinois, Nate Farrell. In 10 games played, he had three helpers. At number two, the 0-4. A lot of O 4s man. I think everyone on this list is an 0-4 this, uh, this month, but the 0-4 the out of Westchester, Pennsylvania, Grant Hindman of the Ogden Mustangs in nine games played, he had a goal and four assists.
1: All right. And then who is the Pigeonal Hockey Podcast, NCDC Mountain Division Defender of the Month?
0: Well, that's going to be no shocker here in no 0-4 from the Ogden Mustangs from Rosemount, Minnesota, Owen Hendrickson in nine games played. He had a goal and an assist, and he kept himself out of the box, but... Just an overall great defender, a really great back check, uh, makes those smart hockey plays. I was really impressed with his gameplay this month. So Owen Hendrickson, you're the uh, NCDC Mount Division Defender of the Month for us. I guess that would lead us into now the forwards, Sam. And so you're going to let our listeners know who are the top five forwards of the month for the NCDC's Mount Division.
1: All right, and just to be clear, it was O fours for all of the defenders list, not the entire list across the whole. Yeah, thing. no, no,
0: just the, the defenders <laughs> were all O fours, but uh, yeah, the,
1: that, that was funny yeah. to still have that be the consistent <laughs> uh, factor amongst all of them. The you know nominated. the other
0: consistent factor from all of them, which is interesting, they're all American born. Every one of them are O four American new york minnesota illinois pennsylvania and again minnesota so yeah all O4 americans this this uh this month so
1: i'm not have them very interesting
0: little factoid yeah no it yeah. doesn't it's pretty rare
1: <laughs> all right back to the forwards now we're gonna go to number five from the ogden mustangs the O5 from mound minnesota parker osborne put up nine points six goals three assists in nine games played at number four from the Rock Springs Grizzlies, the 0-4 from Fergus Falls, Minnesota, Caleb Pittman put up four points, two goals, two assists, and nine games played. At number three from the Utah Outliers, the 0-6 from Murmansk, Russia, ending the U.S. Uh, conquest so far, David Utkin put up 17 points, seven goals, 10 assists, in 10 games played. And I also
0: think two- Utkin's an 0-5, yeah? Did I type 0-6?
1: It says 06. I'm not 100% Yeah, sure. I, I, mis-
0: I mistyped that. I'm pretty confident he's in 05. So, sorry, David, but we can continue.
1: <laughs> and then at number two, the 03 from Loma, Sweden, from the Ogden Mustangs. Casper Kongretsen-Kelvgaard put up 11 points, three goals, eight assists in nine games played. But, All right. Chris, tell our listeners who is the Pigeon Hockey NCDC mound Division Ford of the Month.
0: It's going to be none other than the 4 Russian-American out of Moscow, Russia, from the Utah Outliers, Makar Klotchkov. In 10 games played, he put up 7 goals and 10 assists. Again, really stood out this month. I think he was picked up by one of the fantasy teams in our... Somebody picked him up, right?
1: Pretty yes, sure uh, Sebastian.
0: Up. Sebastian did, okay. And uh, yeah, he really had a great month uh, for Utah. Uh, really stood out there on the ice. Again, just smart hockey plays. He puts up the points. And Jeff just stood out this month. So he's our uh, Pigeon Hockey Podcast, NCDC Mountain Division Forward of the Month. Well, we also want to take a moment to recognize the sponsor for this episode, and that's going to be DraftKings. We all know hockey games move fast, but with the DraftKings Sportsbook and official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet just 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. In fact, the Vegas Golden Knights and Colorado Avalanche face off tonight, and there's a 6.5 over and under on that game. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now with code THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text hope ny 467 In Connecticut, HELP is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Blue Hill Casino and Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks in the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. We again want to thank DraftKings for sponsoring this episode. But uh, yeah, so that leads us into the best position in all of sports, in probably all of the universe, and that's going to be the attendees. So, Sam, who are our top five goaltenders of the month for the NCDC's Mountain Division?
1: The entire universe is a bit of a bold claim, but uh... I'm claiming it. You know, <laughs> what? aliens can come running. down here and
0: prove me wrong, man. Go for it.
1: <laughs> Tell me there's podcast a podcast makes it out into the into the ether, into the the light years. You know, uh, aliens hey, they can they come challenge accepted.
0: You know what? Prove, prove something different. Tell us something else that has cooler equipment.
1: The Monstars are coming down. Anyways. Uh, and <laughs> number five from the Provo Predators, the 4 out of Cedarburg, Wisconsin, Michael Polston.
0: Yeah, Michael Polston had another great month, stopping 147 of 159 shots for a 9-2-5 in four games played in that perfect record of 4-0-0.
1: My fantasy team appreciates it. Anyways, at number four from the Ogden Mustangs, 06 from Haddonfield, New Jersey. Vladislav Brizgalov.
0: Yeah, Brizgalov. has managed to make this list every every time so far. Uh or I guess every month so far. And uh, but yeah, again, he's had another amazing month. 240 stops at 259 shots faced for a 927 and seven games played in a four-and-two record. Just again, another great month by Brizzy.
1: And he, he had, I mean, we're into the new month, but he did just get a shutout. Uh, am he I correct did. about that? Yes.
0: Yeah. He got a shutout in Provo uh, on Friday night. So yeah, great game.
1: And moving on to number three from the Pueblo Bulls the 06 out of Colorado Springs, Colorado, Ryan Mitchell.
0: Yeah. Ryan Mitchell had a great month stopping 130 of 139 shots for a nine, three, five and four games played with a two and two record. And uh, I know, uh, when he signed earlier uh we're talking early he was one of the original signings if i'm not incorrect or maybe even the first signing that they announced or um either that or it was a uh, i think it was maybe ethan blackburn that pointed it out that uh, uh he's familiar with ryan mitchell he's like this this kid's gonna be great uh and he's like he signed i'm like oh that's right because he told me yeah they signed a goalie i'm like i haven't seen anything so i just went to mitchell's page and sure enough there he is signing the uh the commitment at that point to uh, uh go to pueblo or i guess the tendering to go to pueblo uh yeah he's he's been really coming up uh, i don't think he got a lot of starts originally at the beginning of the season, but. Uh, you know he he's proven his weight right now, and uh, he's doing really good there between the pipes. So uh, you know keep keep it up, Ryan. Uh, Pueblo needs it
1: absolutely. And at number two from the Utah Outliers, the O three from Pierre Fonds, Quebec, Philip Rondina.
0: Yeah, I think he was last month's uh, winner. This month's runner-up, stopping two forty-two of two hundred fifty-seven for a nine-four-two in seven games played with a six-and-one record. Again, just another great month for for Philip. And I want to backtrack on Ryan there, and just want to say that this doesn't take away from just also the amazing goaltending of of a couple of the other goalies this month. Like again, like Tucker and Bennett and uh, Bo Altman. Speaking of Pueblo itself, uh, with with Bo Altman and Ryan Mitchell net. Uh, Pueblo. I, I'm pretty confident in what Pueblo's being able to build there now uh, between these two goalies, and uh, and Tucker is no longer in Rock Springs. I think he's uh, been traded to Idaho Falls. But um, but both those goalies just missed our list this month, but they had great months as well. So I just I didn't want to leave it out there in, in the waves that the you know those two those two goalies deserved a little bit of a shout out before number one.
1: Absolutely, uh, but Chris, who is our the Pigeon Hockey Podcast, NCDC Mountain Division Goalie of the Month for December.
0: That's going to be the 4 from Wayne, New Jersey of the Provo Predators' Ryan Henry, stopping 148 of 157 shots this month for a 9-4-3 and a 2-2 record in four games played. Just a great month for Ryan uh, between the pipes. And I, he just really solid fundamentals. He's been playing great hockey. He's always super close to the list. I don't know if he's ever... And I think he's been mentioned on a previous. He hasn't won, but I think he's been definitely mentioned on a previous episodes. So it's really great to see him stand out this month and really earn this award. And, and lots, lots more hope for uh, not only Ryan Henry there, but Michael Polston again. Provo's got a couple great goalies between the pipes. So uh, and and they're starting to steal some great wins here. They, they, if I'm not incorrect, they started the season off pretty strong and kind of, I mean, I guess kind of had some up and downs. But uh, you know they're finding their uh, ice legs again. And uh, they're just, again, between these two goalies and all these goalies we've mentioned so far. And, again, I know there's a lot of you that played uh, between the pipes this month. 17 goalies dressed for these six teams this month. And uh, we noticed all of you, but these were the standouts for the month. And, uh, yeah, uh, well-earned, Ryan Henry.
1: Yeah, just looking at the standings, like, you know, between, I mean, Provo and Pueblo both having, you know, a couple of great goalies and shoutouts in this month. And it's just, things are tight in the standings and Idaho falls now just picking up in a Bennett, trying to, trying to climb their, climb their way back into the, into the thick thing. So it seems like, it seems like it's going to be a good battle for the rest of the season.
0: It should be. And, uh, I mean, I'm really, I'm really enjoying the, uh, the first season of NCDC mountain division hockey because it really has been fun to watch. And uh, really, seeing these crowds come out and support, of course, Idaho Falls being able to sell at a four thousand seat arena on the regular is always incredible. But then you've got you got those games in like Pueblo, where they always, I think, it seats almost a thousand, if not a little bit more. Uh, and that place is always packed and always a lot of fun. Honestly, great broadcast from both Idaho Falls and Pueblo really stand out as the way you want to watch. Um, Mountain Division, NCDC Hockey, and Junior Hockey in a nutshell. They have great broadcasts, professional broadcasts. They're really exciting to watch. I I will sit there and watch intermissions. That's how interesting those broadcasts are. And again, then, I mean, Ogden and Utah do quite well. The crowds show up for those games. It's a, it's a deep rivalry, one I'm extremely familiar with because obviously I lived there for so long and became a huge Ogden Mustangs fan. Their broadcasts, uh, them in Utah, are great. Again, I think Idaho Falls and Pueblo just kind of stand out as, as the leaders there. And then Provo and Rock Springs, uh, kind of the younger teams in the division, so to speak. They're getting the crowds out there, which is great. You want that fan support. And uh, the broadcasting teams are doing well. They call a great game. They're interactive. I know they tend to put their phone numbers out there so you can let them know you're watching. I, I really like what they're doing in the NCDC West, and it would be great to continue to see Western NCDC hockey grow. And I think about that too. So I, I'm glad they chose the six teams they did to expand out in the NCDC. And uh, again, Northern Colorado was originally in that mix, but uh, you know, due to really the null moving in, uh, that kind of snuffed out the, the Eagles, which is disappointing. But, you know, the Rock Springs Grizzlies grew out of that. So that's, you know, where one door closes, another one opens. Um, But uh, when you look at potential expansion, Sam, I may as well just end the podcast with this. Where do you see the best potential option for when when you look at the teams in that vicinity, too? Because you don't necessarily want to pick a, you know, no offense, like a San Diego, which is probably the farthest you can get from... Uh, uh, or or even a Bellingham in terms of these teams. So if they were to expand next season, which there's no talks of it. I I just like, you know, shaking things up here and and talking about this before we wrap it up here. What do you think uh, when you look at the teams in the vicinity of these other six teams, where do you think the biggest potential is to expand the NCDC West?
1: Yeah, it's just, it's just interesting because, you know, when you compare, the differences and like obviously I don't I don't work for the USPHL I don't know how they make the decisions but when you've got you know where do I 70 plus teams in the USPHL premier versus only 18 in the NCDC across these three divisions it's kind of like well that those numbers are very very vastly different and it seems like there would probably be opportunities to expand not only on the east coast but also on the west the Western part of the U S to throw some more teams in there. I mean, you know, rock Springs obviously is kind of that team that, you know, kind of, I don't know if it would make sense to have like a a Vernal or a Casper, you know, considering that they threw in rock Springs, um, moved them from the USPHL last year into the NCDC. Ironically. I mean, I was thinking, you know, in terms of like a big, big market is Seattle. Like, I mean, it's a little different than Bellingham, but that is very western, like you said. But like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Wyoming could certainly get a team. Oregon could certainly get a team. Washington, California, you know, I all think of
0: Oregon and Washington. I think Oregon and Washington. That's I think that's a problem right now with expanding the NCDC out too far oh. west at the moment. Uh, is Colorado? Try...
1: What? Colorado? Um, maybe then.
0: Yeah. I think that's the thing is originally they didn't have to go up to Rock Springs and Pueblo had a pretty close rivalry there with the Northern Colorado Eagles. So I still think there's a, there's an opportunity. Oh my God. Yeah. No, it's all, it's all good. Truthfully, (laughs) dude, but they're like, they're, they're pretty Southern Colorado. Um, But I think that being able to expand somewhere in the Colorado area, I think could be really beneficial. It would give, it would be nice because it would, but you also you also got Vernal there. So I think I look at Vernal in Vegas, and I think Vegas is about as far west as they'd want to go right now because of just travel. Because if you're talking Vegas to Rock Springs, that's a that's a hike, and I don't think that's something they want to regularly do for these NCDC teams. And I like the fact that they don't expand too much because, I mean, lack of a better word, you don't want to water down the tier two level pool of place to play. So the people were worried about that with the NCDC West, which I think they've proven pretty well that it's definitely not watered down. People were concerned to be like, oh, well, you know, it's just going to give everyone tier two. And I'm like, no, you can definitely see the difference between tier two and tier three. And you can see why certain players in tier three get promoted up to tier two. And uh, then you are also always wondering why certain players aren't being promoted up to tier two. But I guess that's for coaching staffs. No, I like the fact that they don't overly expand And they should have the good selection of of Tier 3 teams in the USPHL But uh, I think expanding the NCDC West by another team in the next year or two I don't think it has to happen next year But I get excited for additions of new teams I'm that guy Especially since it's really the NCDC region I watch I think Vegas would be probably the farthest west they want to go But I don't know if... With the Vegas Golden Knights there, uh, if that's going to be a favorable market for a junior hockey team, I think the key aspect of why some of these teams become so successful, and why you see massive attendance at, at games in like Idaho Falls and 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 Pueblo and Ogden and you know Salt Lake City, and again Provo and Rock Springs are also building their crowds pretty good, is because they're not competing with a major NHL team, the Vegas Golden Knights would probably snuff out a real good chance of, of decent attendance at a junior hockey game there. And I, and you see that, I think, on the East Coast in a lot of games. Um, I'm not going to name any of them, but, I mean, just watch. I mean, if you're in the Boston area or the Buffalo area or any of these, you're not getting big turnouts if they have an NHL team. And I think maybe that's why the Buttes, uh, or I guess Buffalo didn't get a women's team there, is because Buffalo's is so oversaturated, I, say, I think, with hockey that people just – I mean, I loved going to the games when I was there
1: but, yeah, but uh, it, got a team. and so did Toronto. I mean, I guess, well, Canada. yeah, but that's, a, that's football. women's
0: professional hockey. I think it's a lot different than, uh, than, you know, I guess junior hockey is, is in terms of those markets, those are major metropolitan cities where Buffalo isn't Buffalo. Maybe what, maybe has 900, 800, 900, thousand. I mean, guys, forgive me if I'm wrong. I don't know, but I mean, you're talking millions in Toronto and my, I mean, New York, they picked four really big, six, sorry, six really big cities. I mean, Ottawa had a great turnout. Ottawa's not that big either. I think Ottawa just, I don't know. Ottawa got one. Uh, I understand Boston. And, again, Ottawa fans, don't reach out and light me up for this. But uh, <laughs> I think, obviously, Boston, New York, um, Montreal, and who is it, yeah, toronto montreal boston and new york make sense um minnesota's yeah minnesota easily proved me wrong because look at they have the record attendance of what thirteen thousand plus fans at that minnesota game it's just a at that is like the i guess what would you call hockey central for the united states if if you see a hockey player in the united states they more than not come out of minnesota um so that's a hockey hotbed but i look at ottawa and I get confused as to how they ended up with the team when you're talking about alternatives. Um, again, but Ottawa had a massive turnout. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's there. And I think Ontario itself just has such a, a huge amount of, of players that um, they can all uh, sustain a, major, uh, a new major league, uh, hence the PWHL. But I think that's probably why a team, uh, a junior team down in Vegas, wouldn't work. Uh, where I look up it, and you wouldn't want one in Denver either, because again, you'd be competing with the Avalanche.
1: But I look at Vernal, the and they T-Birds, have great. Though? Sorry. What about the T-Birds, though? Because like they're in they're in Vegas. Yeah,
0: but they're they're a tier three team. And when you you want to start having those fans turn out – and again, I I say that, but then look at the way the fans turned out in Idaho Falls for a Tier 3 team last year, selling out every home game of 4,000. So um, I think if the NCDC is looking to expand west, I don't know if they're necessarily – they want the crowds. I think that's the selling point in why I believe the NCDC – or I guess Western Hockey – because you see the same thing, really. You do. You see the same thing in the the NAHL. Uh The Western teams just get the crowds. If you've seen a game down in, I want to say Baton Rouge, but it's not Baton Rouge. What's that city that the uh, Louisiana team in the NLL is? Baton Rouge stuck in my head right now, and it's not Baton Rouge. I
1: don't know. Anyway. about at all. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I I watched a lot of the NLL, and well, I did. I, I still enjoy this, those NLL games, but like, I don't know what the the grit are pulling in uh the new team that took out the northern colorado eagles but you see those games down in new mexico you see those games down in el paso you see those games in louisiana lafayette uh no 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 i don't think it's the drillers it's it's a, uh, it's a crab or something now i got to look it up uh it's a, it's a
1: what do they call it? League, all- is it the na3hl
0: no the nahl oh whoops yeah the north american hockey league the N A L. it's the
1: Oh, Shreveport. Of Shreveport Mudbugs. Sorry, I was, like, <laughs> was going to drive you crazy if you didn't get to the it, bottom of it, that's for sure.
0: I could see the logo in the jersey. I just could not think of uh, – once Baton Rouge was in my head, it was over.
1: Uh, oh, the mud! Know, and bugs. then Garth Brooks that's started cool singing view. in
0: my left ear.
1: What's that? It's a hell of a logo. My goodness. I like it. <laughs> it's cool. It's
0: a cool-looking jersey. And those Mudbugs fans are passionate. Uh but you you see those fans will drive across the country for their te- for their uh for away games and for the playoffs and stuff. And I think they showed up in hordes up in Blaine, Minnesota last year. Um what, was it last um, year or the
1: year before? What tier is the NAHL exactly?
0: They're tier two, they're the same level as the N C D C.
1: Oh, okay. They're just the more pron-
0: I not pronounced, they're the more um, um
1: nationally recognized.
0: No. Uh, well they're they're under USA hockey, so maybe by USA standards, but the NCDC and the NAL are the two tier two leagues in the United States. So there's only the one tier one league which is the USHL. Um, yeah. that's a top league. that's where you got the guys that have already been drafted into the NHL and, and the in the top players in, in the USHL uh, that's or the top players in the us play out of the USHL and uh, in the and then the the NOL and the NCdc, fall as a two tier, as the uh, tier two leagues, they feed into the USHL, but the NAL is under USA hockey where the NCDC is not. So therefore the NCDC can get uh, a lot more foreign players. There's a lot of different rules under uh, how those leagues can operate and, and what players they're allowed to have. And then, uh, and then you have the NA3HL, the EHL and the USPHL are the three major tier three leagues in the united states so um and again same thing where the the na3hl falls under usa hockey so they can they they're restricted on like types of players that can be in the league and such and and other rules i completely disagree with as well to trap players sometimes that want to move so Mm -hmm. calling you out na3 just if a player wants to leave, you, can't, you shouldn't be able to hold on to their tuition money. That's that's not right. If it's not a great paying environment for them, let them go. I think that's just a way to trap players in, in a city that they don't want to be in. Because players need that option to be able to move, and parents shouldn't be locked into paying a full tuition if their player leaves in October. Like, that's, that's some bullshit, calling it out. So USA hockey should relook look at that because that's some BS way of keeping players trapped in in bad situations and not being able to properly develop them. But, you know, when it comes to, um, and that's great if you're an NA3HL player that's in a good team and a good situation, that's that's not going to affect you. but Or it might if you're a great goalie and you're just on a team with two other great goalies and you can't leave that team without a proper trade and there's no other NA3 team that needs you, like, you should be able to go to the EHL or the or the uh, USPHL without being financially punished for it. That's again some bullshit. Uh, yeah. But the the EHL did what the USPHL did. Uh, USPHL has been doing, uh, which is the EHL opened it up to uh, a lot more opportunities for uh, foreign players to come in and and get exposure and get hockey in. So, um, it doesn't mean that every NA3HL team is bad. It doesn't mean that every USPHL EHL team is good. Uh, Each team has to be, you know, looked at very carefully by parents and players. There are amazing NA3 teams. There are amazing USP and there are amazing AHL teams. And there are really garbage organizations in all three leagues. Um, And some of those teams, you know who they are. You don't even have to look it up. Just look at player turnover. I will tell you what, I know mostly uh, about the Western News PHL because that's what's really out where I was, where I became a junior hockey fan and. I can outright tell you a couple teams I would never send a player to in the West um, that just don't operate properly. Uh, But there are a lot of amazing teams out in the West I will highly talk about. And again, you see, if they have the players that come back year after year because they're having a positive experience, they're promoting players up to the next level. They're promoting players into, you know, great programs in the ACHA and the NCAA. Those are things parents need to look into. And players need to look into. If it's a team that's constantly turning players over and can't keep players on the roster, probably not the best environment for your hockey player. Again, I could be dead wrong, but I, I doubt that I am. So anywho, um, that's basically the the null and the N C D C they're the same level. That was a super long way of me saying the N C D C and the Null are the same level. But the Western, I think just the Western at tier two programs, and obviously you can see it out of the tier three programs. They just get the fans. You look up at the NA3, I think it's Yellowstone. Is it Yellowstone? The Quake or whatever. I don't think it's Yellowstone. I don't know. There's some teams up there in the NA3 where they just load up those arenas as well. Like the fans want that hockey. And uh, if I'm a player, that's where I want to play. I want to play where there's going to be people in the crowd. That's that's where I want to play. I think that that's what makes the... The junior hockey experience and honestly into college hockey so amazing is having fans in the crowd whether they love you or they hate you whether you're the weight team or the home team i think <laughs> having those fans in the crowd is what makes sports so much more exciting that's where i'd want to play
1: yeah absolutely
0: i think sam next week we'll talk um if, if you're on i'm not sure who the co-host is going to be but uh if if all goes well we'll be talking the professional women's hockey league you know, now that they'll have a bunch of games under their belt, I think we're going to speculate on what we think their team names should be. We'll talk about the team names that were, I guess, whatever they did, uh, copyrighted, attempted to copyright somewhere. <laughs> um, and the fa- oh, yeah, I, I looked at the team names. I understand why people got upset. They Most of them suck. A couple of them were pretty good. I, I actually thought a couple of them were good. But, yeah, I, I think it's a good time to take a step back and really think about team names that are going to be really awesome and you can really do a lot with moving forward in this league and uh you know maybe we'll even talk about where should they expand next buffalo so uh, we do want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in be sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date reach out if uh, you have any inputs into our most recent episode or into maybe the PWHL episode we're about to drop uh but that said this was uh chris and sam
1: have a great day hockey fans
0: and remember listeners always clear crease